You're listening to Take It to the Wall on Art Route Radio, and I'm your host, Michelle Lockery. Today in the studio, we have artist extraordinaire, Heidi Thompson. Heidi's work is, uh, it is light. That is the only way I could describe it. I paused answering because as I'm thinking about it, I thought of all these words, and the only word I can think about is that Heidi's work captures light. If you stand in front of her pieces, the light comes from within the canvas. And as all artists chase the light, it is an extraordinary thing to know an artist of Heidi's caliber who has actually mastered that. So please help me welcome Heidi to the studio today. Welcome to Take It to the Wall. And my guest today is my friend Heidi. And Heidi is an internationally renowned artist. Welcome, Heidi, to Take It to the Wall. Well, hello, Michelle. <laughs> nice to be with you. I want you to pretend we're at my kitchen table or in my right now very dirty studio just talking. We're just two artists talking. But um, yeah, we were just saying that our lives as artists haven't really changed. Would you agree? I, absolutely. I, I, I wake up in the morning and I do exactly the same routine that I've done before COVID and probably what I will be doing after COVID dies down. And what COVID has made me realize is, is that if you have something creative to do and express during the day, then it, it's the social restrictions aren't so devastating. But I can understand other people who really depend on their social contacts so it's, I guess it's a fine balancing act between creating and communicating. That's so true. I really feel quite relaxed and joyful in the morning when I feel no pressure to wake up and I, I can do the things that I want to do in my studio. Yes. I feel very blessed every morning, actually. Right. I, I heard on uh, someone in the UK say that couch potatoes should be given medals of award and that kind of made me feel like my like generally I feel I have to produce and make and work but all of a sudden like you said the stress to have to perform have to do something is taken away and you can just wake up and say well I'm just gonna go at my own pace today because there's really nothing else to do and it does give a nice sense of relief it does I feel a bit of panic like I want everybody to be healthy but I really see, um, especially talking to my mom or some family members that I know, they are really taking that time to create. I'm lucky because I'm such a recluse that it's, but I'm seeing my grandchildren actually having the time to create that run, run, run that I, mm -hmm. it was hard to watch. I actually feel like we've been taken back in time, like when I was a child and my family, because they were all very creative. I feel like we're back in the 60s somehow. Yeah, I think so. I remember my past. My mom was always sewing or cooking or drawing or painting or doing things with us. And we never really, you know, we just thought that was the normal way. And I grew up with that thinking, yeah, it's, it's the family time. I think has gotten uh, more, more people are enjoying family time and they're forced to things together which I think is a really good thing well it's, it's interesting because I'm thinking this is the, the time of the new content right because we've over educated and over regurgitated and I'm watching I had a podcast with my grandson and it was just brilliant to hear him tell stories and he wants I bought him a typewriter because he goes grandma I want to feel what the words feel like oh. <laughs> isn't that brilliant yeah, that's beautiful. beautiful. Children are so brilliant. Just wonderful things come out of their mouths. and They're very insightful. And they they have a mastery of the language more than when I was a child. Like, and when I listen to the children, they really know how to communicate ideas and feelings. Maybe they're just a little advanced <laughs> compared to... Well, I didn't say much when I was a kid. I, nobody ever listened. So I yeah. just <laughs> carried on. 
carried on in my own little world. That was me too. My my parents, not my mom. My mom was this wonderful hippie, but it was children should be seen and not heard. And I used to hide. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> not anymore. It's all about children to be seen everywhere. <laughs> I used to hide under the kitchen table. I have the fondest memories of listening, like the Charlie Brown, you know, the sound of the parents. And my mom would yeah. call me elephant ears because I would listen. But now I remember all those stories. But I, I also, I was very shy and I didn't like to talk. Yeah. Yeah, I think we children were more shy back in the day. We were taught that way, to be that way, to, like you said, to be seen but not heard. That was a common phrase in our family growing up. So where did you grow up, Heidi? Uh, I was born in Vernon. Oh, grew nice. up in Vernon. I'm a Vernonite through and through, and then after high school, I went to... Europe for about nine years, and then I came back to Vernon and moved just down the road from where I grew up. That's lovely. (laughs) I stayed in my hometown until I was 35, born in the town of Michelle, and stayed until life changed at 35, and I moved to Vernon. But I stayed there. Yeah, it was it was a big transition for our family. But um, what made you move to Vernon? Um, change in relationships, and I would look now back a calling I had I was a mom but there was this need to break from a very I love where I'm from the coal mining town that I'm from and all that but I really felt a need to find like-minded creative people oh Vernon was good then we have such a creative community here ever yeah it's been quite amazing actually the, the community of art and artists Great. It was amazing because when I first came here, I was a single mom basically, and the women of this town embraced me. Like this town embraced me like I just didn't expect it. I mean, it was definitely a struggle when I first got here for from different personal reasons, for sure, and struggling to support a, a daughter. And and I, could, yeah. I remember this one woman actually, Lori, who owned Pogo, she said to me, she says, come on in, what do you need? I said, well, I have this daughter. She goes, you buy anything in the store. She says, and one day you'll pay me back. She says, you outfit her, and one day you'll pay me back. And we stayed friends. Uh-huh. For, yeah, Sharon Van Buren, like, you know, I know you know Sharon. She was the same. She invited me. I had never felt that women's circle like I did in Vernon. That's lovely. Yeah, that was it was a beautiful thing for me. You know, not that my small town wasn't, the women are very strong there, but it was a coal mining town, and that comes with a strong patriarch side, right? Yeah, yeah. When did you find out in your own soul that as a child you knew you were an artist? Did you ever have a, a moment? Well, I, I never really understood what an artist was. We didn't really talk about artists, but I just always felt at home doing things sitting in mud puddles and making mud pies and painting. I just always felt very comfortable doing it, but no one really said you're an artist or you should develop that talent. My mom was always doing things with drawing. She would draw little cards or she would do all the carnival windows at, you know, winter carnival. She, She was always doing something, but I was doing something, but nobody really said anything about it. So I just... But I, I was happiest while doing it, and I think it was, even when I went to Europe, it was only when someone said, hey, you're painting, uh, that's pretty good, why don't you go to art school? And I thought, I can't go to art school, like artists. My dad always said, you can't be, artists never, you know, they starve, you better make a living. And, you know, I was brought up thinking that artists were these, I didn't even know what they were. And then it was just being away from the influence of my family and coming sort of to the idea, oh, art school, is there such a thing? And then found out I all I had to do was apply. And in Europe, the art schools were, uh, because I was part Swiss, I, art schools were practically free. So I said, well, okay. And then I got accepted. And then four years later, I decided I wanted to go more into painting. At the art school, I studied photography because, my, you know, I kept thinking I had to make a living. And then at some point, I decided, no, now I've, I've got my trade. Now I want to learn about the old-fashioned way of painting. And I, that led me to being um, 
going up to Germany where I was an intern with an artist. So I lived in his house and enjoyed his family life. And then I had to work in his studio every day and that was quite something. And then he said, oh, you, you know, if you want to be an artist, you have to say, you got to make a choice. You can't just kind of hang on to the photography. You're either going to be a photographer or, an, or a painter. You have to make a choice and then struggle. You have to struggle <laughs> for about eight years and you'll be fine. But you have to make the decision. And then he said, then go get some more training. So he recommended that I go to an art academy, which I did in Germany for a year. And then I realized, oh, I'm not really keen on the way they're painting here. And I started making my own decision to go to Hungary because someone said, oh, they still teach traditional painting there. And I wanted to learn everything I could. And then I ended up going to Budapest while it was still communist, not even knowing what communism was. Like, I was so naive. So I get into the country through, after a lot of paperwork, and I stay there for a year, going to the art academy there, and really experiencing a communistic style of life. It was really amazing. And then I decided, after nine years, I decided... <laughs> Maybe I should go back to Vernon and see if I can apply what I've just learned. A little bit worried about coming back to Canada because it was so, what I felt, cult culturally void. <laughs> because <laughs> I've just been nine years in Europe. Yeah, for coming sure. back to Vernon and my family, they were into uh -huh. parties and yeah. barbecues. And, and I'm going, oh, I just, you know, wait a minute, who am I? So I had to struggle with being, uh, finding myself, because I, I really didn't like to be a Canadian at that point. I, I didn't like my, anything about being back in Canada. So I had to struggle for a while. I bet. And just, I was, you know, I, I could hardly speak English when I came back. My people were saying, are you being a snob? Like, <laughs> what language are you talk, speaking? Because cause I just, when I was in Europe, I pretended I wasn't from Canada. I just European, so I never spoke English, and, and I started losing the language. So when I came back, my sisters were making fun of me because they thought I was talking like a snob or something. <laughs> <laughs> and anyway, so gradually I settled down here, and it was because I married my husband that I ended up really starting to realize that we can make our own life wherever we go, whether it's, you know, a hick town in Western Canada, you can still create your own cultural bubble and make what you want. It's a struggle because you don't have, you know, the culture around you or you don't live in a big city or New York. So you, you really are completely on your own to create your own world. And I just struggled through it. And I'm so happy now that I live on a farm in a sort of like no man's land a little bit when it comes to art. <laughs> no, yeah. it has gotten better since you moved here. It's no, better. I don't know. It's still, I, we can say <laughs> Heidi. I I, here, it yeah, it's still, it, it still struggles with its, yeah. I would say it's inclusion to art. I think it still struggles. Yeah. And, and, you know, if you ask what's Canadian painting other than the group of seven or Emily Carr or something, you know, who are we as artists? What is our culture? Like, we're still trying to figure that out. We're such a kaleidoscope. It's, it's fascinating listening to you because our stories are very similar. I'm very grateful living on my farm and I have my beautiful studio and I love to play. My paint and mud still mix together. If I'm yeah. doing, even if I'm doing a painting on canvas, there better be mud involved. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, but we're all, we're we can grow here, which is great. And we are getting people who appreciate what we do, which is lovely because it gives us motivation to keep doing what we do. So it, it's all growing. And I, I, that I didn't go seeking somewhere. I always thought, Oh, I, I, I want to live in New York. That's where all the artists go. And I'm so glad that I didn't do that. And I'm so glad I'm here. It's funny. I have a story, same similar story. I was in Europe, um, in Paris and I just had yearned to be fancy. My, my, my mom would say, I just wanted to be that fancy artist. I wanted to have something mm -hmm. to say. And I and I think that's how I got here was with that yearning. But I'm in Paris and I was missing, 
I can I must remember I sat underneath this pub at midnight, New Year's. <laughs> I had just left the Eiffel Tower and I was like, and I yearned for the blank canvas of Canada because I felt that we were almost like artistic frontier, that if we could come together, and, I, and when I come home, I wrote this journal about it, and it was that your art has to live like the ocean, and artists don't touch the ground. We, we go around the globe like a tribe, and I think we all float a little bit in the air. We don't really touch the ground. And that's what I felt, and I thought, maybe coming home, and it was that I was, for the first time, understood how lucky I was to live here. Yeah. That's how I felt too. And it was so, it was like a clean slate. It mm-hmm. was a clean canvas. We had to come up with our own own thing. I, I was in Germany, in Nuremberg. I lived there. And I met this artist who was a student of Kokoschka. He was a, a wild guy who was declared insane by this, you know, he used to be a teacher and then they declared him insane, but he was an incredible painter. And he wasn't insane at all. And, but he lived this very dark and European, uh, sort of, it was almost like uh, what you would read in a you know scary novel about artists. And he used to look at me, a little bubbly uh, Canadian, and he used to say, uh, the birds and the bees and Miss Wonderly, that was my name, go back to Canada where you belong. You don't want to be here. This is a dark place. <laughs> His dad was in, he was an SS officer. His dad was no way. dark. And this guy, he says, you don't belong here. Go back to Canada. That's so, cr- Miss Wonderly, that's crazy. Yeah, I love that. Miss Wonderly, <laughs> go home. <laughs> well, well, the history that, like, you know, you think about energy and you think in Europe, the amount of time, stories, pain, joy that is in the air there. We really in Canada are, like, seriously... You know, we're only, we're a young country. And yeah. we, we are, I think, looking now, with everything that's happening, the culture, we have been the frontiers in that as well. Like, I think of Emily Carr. I think of so many artists that, and I go, wow, like, we are not that removed from that generation. Mm-hmm. No. Right? No. And uh, we're, we have been pretty influenced by the U.S., so we're still kind of, finding our Canadian way, but I don't know. I think it's, it, it's great because we each, each artist has this beautiful opportunity to find a whole new path, a whole new way of expressing and that, That's how I feel. Like I do stuff that I'm thinking, oh, people aren't really going to like this because of this and this in it, but I don't care. I want to do it my way <laughs> and, and uh, see what happens. Like, you know, I, my paintings are so sometimes blinding bright, and I'm going, people aren't going to want that. That's so bright. Oh, no, Heidi, <laughs> you capped your light. Oh, well, that's who I am. So no. I'm just going to do it. You, you have an internal flame. Like, when I look at your paintings, like, you know, artists, we all know, cap tried and chase light. That's what we do, right? Chase the light yeah. and the shadows. Yeah. And, you know, and when I see your work, you capture light in a thought on canvas, and it's breathtaking. Aww. It just is. It just makes me, it makes me take a, a breath because you don't catch it in a way of form. You actually catch it like how it is in life. Ah, thank you. That's what I'm striving for, just sort of the moment in nature when you when you look up and suddenly the sun peeks through the dark clouds and you get this half a second moment of whoa that's pretty cool that's what you <laughs> that's get the kind of thing i want to, like you know that one moment when it all comes together and it's kind of nature and it's brilliant and, and it's gone within a second and i keep striving for that in my painting sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't I just keep working at it I find that with my waxes I mean all those years on the walls having to paint other people's stories I was always mm-hmm. grateful because every brush stroke I did I always knew that every stroke is practice but the strictness of having to repeat something like a giant photocopier of other people's stories mm-hmm. was soul seek it was just it would eat my soul sometimes right yeah I'm Pro- sure Proudful. I see in your abstracts I see 
so much freedom and ex exploration of something other than what's known. So you're creating these new things, which are really nice. Well, that part is the part that I love the letting go. Like, you know, when you have to let go and let the art in us come out? Yeah. It's hard, right? Sometimes it's, it's, when I was talking to Roy Vickers, he said, he goes, he never feels the passion ever go. It's like a river. He said, it just keeps flowing. Mm -hmm. It just flows, right? And like we, as much as that's a wonderful thing, life sometimes gets in the way, like sickness and things. And yet in my life, whenever I go back to that studio and I take pigment and a torch and wax, it's like mm -hmm. joy comes from your toes. Do you experience mm -hmm. that? <laughs> it's nice. It's nice, hey? It's like you're five again in the mud puddle. Exactly. That's my one big memorable moment is five years old in the mud puddle. <laughs> it was glorious. <laughs> we would have been good friends when we were young because my mom said I lived in the mud. I used yeah. to do Yeah, right? Every day that's where I was. That's great. Just, uh, I always tell the story, like I, I'm in Toastmasters, and one of my first stories I ever told was when I was five, sitting in the mud puddle, and how glorious that was. And, and now when I'm in my studio and I'm crouching down, and I'm sort of messing with the canvas, I get the same sensation as I did back then. Oh, that's beautiful. Very wonderful sensations. You, you, it's like a memory, actually. And then you capture that. And I think that's what's happening watching, because I have five grandchildren now, right? And I'm watching them all be creative. And one of the interviews I just did, this wonderful woman was telling me about her report card and math, and she was dyslexic, and she just wanted to be a writer, and how hard it was, and how bad she felt about herself all through high school. Oh. Right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> and I'm watching now that these kids are being allowed some freedom. Yeah. I hope that yeah. that doesn't change. I hope that, you know, that maybe that's something that will, because, you know, and then I watch your daughter's art. Your daughter's art is just, she has her own, that one's a, a an artist to watch. She, <laughs> she plays. Yeah, she's finding her way. So I, I'm not sure where she'll end up, but she's working at things. That's proudful, hey? And it, it's, I think, hard when your mother is so intense and busy all the time to try to find your own way. I think children with parents that are really creative and busy and they, they don't want to copy. They don't. They want to find themselves, and it's extra hard. I think if, if the parent is quite strong, and I always think that. Like when I was a child, my parents, they just were so busy, they didn't even, you know, they were busy with their life, but they kind of let me just be myself and be free, and so I had a lot of freedom when I was young, and I didn't have to, uh, I wasn't overshadowed by my parents at all, so I just, I, you know, I'm trying to understand uh, young children or teenagers or young adults who have strong parents and they have to find their own way. It, I think it's more challenging for for them because... I agree. Yeah, it's just a different, a different life. They have to, they have different challenges. So. And it's hard for us, I know, because I'm a strong mom too with my two kids and my son's a very successful businessman and he's driven, just driven like I was. Like, you just, no sleep. Like, you know, people would say when I got on a mural, I'd be there at 6 a.m. and 2 o'clock in the morning, I was like a machine. Yeah. Right? You and, got that? Yeah. And but well, my that's good. Yeah. In a way. And then my daughter, like she's she's a nurse and she's just started this health thing because she had some health challenges in the last two years. But yeah. I'm seeing that same thing for her that um there's a personality that goes with being a creative that almost borders on what's a good word I would think? Um I, I always I sometimes question myself too, like one day I'll be brave enough to, to podcast with them and ask them how they felt competing with all of that art and those mm -hmm. walls one time. I'm sure yeah. that there's hurt there. would probably speak to a lot of people who are going through the same sort of feelings. So. And, our, and daughters are so, I mean, when I look at my daughter, I don't know how you feel, I see her as one of the biggest masterpieces I could ever have created, both my children, and this light, and I see the strength that... There's a confidence that I lacked as a child that took my art career to get me there, and I still yeah. 
and still I not... think that's what I, I see too. The confidence is amazing. Right? Yeah. Uh, at least it appears on the outside to be very confident. So I, I don't know how much they struggle on the inside, but definitely on you know, moving around in the world with utmost confidence. I'm like with my daughter, she's so confident and like I think being moms like we are, we we shower our children with so much com like compliments and you're mm-hmm. great and this and that and then they still have to struggle through that because they have to still find themselves and establish that their own confidence through their own work and their own successes not from all the words that we showered with. So it's a bit of a struggle, I think, for them. I think it is too, and I have to really take a step back because when she does stuff, I'm all in wanting to help her, and I think, ooh. That's me too. Right? Yeah. That's not your place. Back off. <laughs> My daughter's doing these pet portraits, and I'm just taking over like, oh, I'll advertise for you. I'll do this. I'll do that. Oh, we're having the same story. My daughter's doing this inner rose thing, women finding inner rose, and I'm like, oh, I can help you this. And I, she's mom. She says, just take the product and be healthy because you're looking better, and you've lost weight, and you're strong. I've got this, and I, I'm really having... Oh, yeah. My daughter, I've got this, Mom. <laughs> she said that the other day. I've got this, Mom. Oh, that's awesome. But, but we just, you know, you just want so much for them, right? Oh, yeah, we just love them so much. And, but it's good that they're getting strong and they can fend, <laughs> kind of whoosh us away and say, okay, I got this. Uh, <laughs> I uh, like that about that. Well, and then I, I can sleep at night. So. Well, I have a friend that said to me, you have to make sure that your daughter has a tribe around her for when you're not there. Because, yeah. like, Britt and I are really close. Like, she traveled everywhere with me on all, like, anywhere I went, I took her out of school and she came with me. Probably mm-hmm. because she was more my confidence. I'd say, I'm not traveling there by myself. You're coming too. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. you know, yeah. I, but she will need a tribe that's hers with, you know, if something ever happened to me, I want, yeah. well, and it will, obviously, but... I want her to have a tribe where she's supported and her own world. Yeah, I, I'm sure they will find their people. It might not be a huge tribe. It could be just a handful of good people. But yeah. I, I just think. And I think the young people, too, need some time alone and to really go through that as well because I think that strengthens strengthens them like my husband and I speak about it all quite a bit, that there were years, like for nine years, I was pretty much alone in Europe. And I wouldn't, it was hard and I felt lonely, but I wouldn't trade that for anything now. That experience of going through that and and having to sort of reach out to people, but never really um, getting anything I could hang on to, you know, I... I would meet strangers in restaurants and then for that moment connect and have to connect and then it was gone, it was over and I was back by myself again. And I, I I feel I've learned a lot about myself through that and and I'm not afraid of being alone. So I think that's important, I, Heidi. I think that's really important because I did the same thing. I traveled for eight, eight, nine years on different streets around the world and was alone yeah. a lot and I mean, and some good and bad things happened in that time, people I met, and but it, I was alone, but I loved getting yeah. to know myself. Yeah. yeah. That's, That's that a good is, thought. That is something special. Nowadays, it's really hard to be alone. Like, the world is different. Mm-hmm. I think most, most people are connected, and they can connect, and they need connection, but that alone time... That's still pretty special. <laughs> oh, no, I, I agree. I love it. And I love the art that happens. And I, I know that's kind of the artist's way. But, I mean, I have, like, seven horses and 25 chickens and two dogs and two cats. I 24 mean, chickens. Yeah. <laughs> well, 23 now, yeah. Yeah. 20, maybe 23 because I heard a whole bunch of barking outside. I'm like, hmm. Yeah. There, there's great. A, that's great. Well, you know, it's, it's funny because... We all have these preconceived of being artists. So if I was to imagine what your studio life and home life like was, and if you were to imagine mine or all the different people we know, I wonder how similar our lifestyles really actually are. Probably quite similar. I think so. Yeah, and then you, you get you get the project, so you're all fired up for quite a while. You get addicted to it. 
and then it's all over, and then you've got the three or four days of like, I'm falling. <laughs> <laughs> I've done nothing in my life. I've never done anything. <laughs> Go through that whole, so, uh, nothing I've done is good enough. Uh-huh. I have nothing to do, and it'll, I'll never sell another painting in my life. Yeah. <laughs> and then you just go through this roller coaster. My husband says, oh, dear, you finished your project. Oh, dear. Oh, my God, it's so the same. And my husband says the same thing. He's like, get in the studio. He goes, just get out there. And I'm like, and I fight him, and I'm like, and then, yeah. and then I just, he goes, oh, there you are. There's the person I like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I think that's important, though, I think. I think people don't understand that artists really do deconstruct themselves in each piece. Yeah. You know? It's not supposed to be fun. Yeah. Right? Do you have a favorite piece, Heidi? Do you have a favorite piece that you've done that you Um, keep? I have a couple that I I just did recently that I look at it and say, yeah, I'm getting closer. I'm getting closer to what I want. So I would say the latest pieces that I've just finished I'm thinking oh there's something in that you know I I don't know what it is but it's me like I'm starting to feel more and more yeah that you know I like and it's not that my it's anything special my husband will walk by it because it looks just like my other ones and he won't even notice that it's on the wall and it's all new but for me I just every day I'm trying to work towards something in it and it's um it is the latest pieces that are resonating with me, and I just I, I haven't quite mastered it, but there's something about them that I I really do identify with, and it is to do with the light and the softness and the color tones, and, and just keep struggling towards that. It's the depth, it right? <laughs> they're getting. If I look at them, they're they, they're deeper and deeper, like they pull your eye, like you. As, as every time you do one and I watch, it's like they're getting, you could actually walk in like a vortex almost. Oh, that's a lovely uh, response. That right? thrills me because that's, that's, I want to be able to go inside them. <laughs> yeah. I feel bad sometimes too because people tell me, oh, I want this kind of painting. And I'm like, oh, I don't want to do that because I never do commission work ever. I just, it's something uh-huh. I just don't. But I go, well, we want this. And do you have any of these kind of paintings? And I'm like, mm. and I goes, well, why are you know, just out there? I said, because I said, I, fe- I read a book one time about Picasso. And in a statement that he said was something about once that you can find a place in your art for the simplicity of light and form, you don't need to recreate. And I thought it was like the stupidest statement at the time. And now I go, yeah. The less is more, like I really, that simplicity of the story or the words or whatever the feeling you're trying mm-hmm. to evoke, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the, if the simplicity evokes uh, an emotion or changes your state of mind, whatever that subtle shift is, uh, what more do you need? But it's finding that the simplicity that actually triggers that uh, response. That's quite a challenge because if it's too simple, your mind looks at it and wanders away because it gets bored very fast. So it's like it's trying to create something that is like a magnet. It's very simple, but it keeps drawing you in because your mind has this natural tendency as soon as it understands something. It moves on. It's just the way it's wired. So it'll scan a room and then, uh uh-huh, I I know all the people here. Okay, bye. (laughs) Yep. And so a work has to have something in it where the mind can't quite figure it out. And it'll stay longer and longer looking at it until it finally gets that satisfaction. Oh, I I see. It's a bird. (laughs) And then they can move on to the next. Well, yours are the patterns because these amazing patterns in your work, I'm like, they're moving. And I stare there and I'm going, they're moving. I don't know how she does that, but those patterns and those colors are moving. Like they're they're like, like swelling. Like you can feel them actually in motion. And I'm like, how does she do that? Oh, that's great. I have a funny question. Does this happen to you? There's a standing thing in our house that if I'm having a good art day in the studio, 
that nobody should ever open the door. Open the door in your studio if you're having a good day. Yeah, what happens in your studio or where you're painting or wherever if somebody interrupts you? Is that a is that an issue for you? Uh, as long as they keep their mouth shut, <laughs> it's just fine. And then they just get my vibe and they usually leave on their own. But as soon as there's a response like, oh, I like this or I don't like that or what about that color? Are you sure you want that color? Mm. <laughs> I'm finished. <laughs> I can't do it. I, I'm over. It's over. I can't. I can't handle any kind of response while I'm working. Me neither. I don't know why. And, and even when it's finished, I, I've got to bring it up to the house, put it on the wall, hope nobody sees it for a couple of days, just so I can see it. And then once I feel better about it, then I don't mind people looking at it. I'm trying to figure that out because my husband and I have really, he's struggling, and he's such a good guy, but he will, and he won't mean to, he'll come in with a glass of wine or a cup of tea, and I turn and I try to do the vibe, and he'll just go, Oh, I like that line, and I'm done. And it's yeah, yeah, I have the same. It's because it's it can go in a million directions while you're in the moment, right? When you're doing it, and you're following this very bizarre thing inside you while you're changing things and taking this color, changing that. And as soon as someone comes in, for them, it's finished, right? But you're only in the middle of this journey. And now it's almost like you've lost your path, that weird mystical path that you were on. You're, you, it's suddenly like, oh, where was I now? And you would have to restart the whole darn thing again in order to arrive to that mystical place. But you can't get interrupted in the middle of it or, or you really, like I, I can't uh, back to it very well after that. I, just... I can't either and I, I try to describe it as building blocks. To me it feels like you've juggled one million building blocks and they're all up there like an orchestra and somebody comes in and it's like I can physically see them all fall. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, it, that is just the way it is. I, I'm sure a million artists will say the same thing. I remember Sveva Kitani, she would not let anyone see her work until it was finished. It was like taboo. Really? Nobody, nobody could see it. Really? Yeah, she was very strict about that, and everybody knew it. They dared not even, even if they walked in and she was painting, they had to look the other way and make sure she knew they weren't looking at it. I love that. that that's yeah. My husband says, you're turning <laughs> into a monster. <laughs> that time must have been special for you. Like, that just, just, just must be, that, you know, I think about yeah. How lucky that you were. Yeah, it was uh, something I will never forget. Because she was, when I came back to Vernon, I was so disheartened coming back to Vernon. But I knew I had to come back just because, you know, I wasn't going to live in Europe. So yeah. I had to make a choice. But the only thing that saved me was meeting Sveva because she was mini Europe. No <laughs> you know, if anybody right? in, in Vernon was Europe, she was. So going up to see her, she was so European in everything she did and said and her books and her art, and she was just great. So she, she was a lifesaver to stay, you know, staying in Vernon. I couldn't even imagine you staying without that, right? Because that it would have been, I mean, I, I couldn't, because her house saved my life too, because after I came here and then where I was didn't work out and I got to live in her house. That, oh, nice. The, the four years I spent in that house saved my life in so many ways because the people that I met, the energy of her house, Joan Harriet, I mean, yeah. everything was still in the house when I moved in. Oh, lovely. So that's lovely. You know? You know? Yeah. That, I think that's that. I see this connection of women artists and I, I think about the group seven and I think, you know, right now we're talking like you are an incredible master artist you had time with to who I believe is one of Canada's strongest artists. Like I believe Sveva's work is just everything. When I, just everything about her and her work, yeah. mm -hmm. you know, and I just think, and I think of the different people that we're all touching and what will be the history. I, I mean, I would love, and actually maybe that's what we should do is the stories of the house because the, the art of that is how many people's lives 
did she touch? Like Mandy and Rob that lived there. My daughter lived there. Yeah. How many artists lived there that probably felt, Heidi, what you did, that I can touch greatness because this woman come from art? Yeah, I, I think that... Like I just got a book from Europe. Someone wrote it with stories from people whose whose seva had touched their lives, and there's a lot of uh, stories from people that are talking about that exactly what you're saying. So uh, there is a book now that does has a collection of such people giving their story and how she influenced them. And is there a book though with the artists? Like how many artists do you think though? Like you, just, how many artists? Yeah, I was thinking more like that. Many, many. Yeah, because I was thinking... She, she had so many artists, even before I met her, like her students all would be coming in droves to her to get inspiration and for, and she would buy their work or give them advice. And she had so many people around her just getting inspired all the time. It so, was wonderful to see. How do you feel now that you're one of those women that people look to to aspire to? <laughs> I don't think, I have no idea how to even think of it that way. I, I don't, you know, I, I don't, I just paint and I have hardly, I hardly see anybody. And now and again, there's the auction and I feel quite proud that, you know, <laughs> we're among the people who get auctioned off. But that's about my life. I, I, I don't feel really I'm any, you know, I, if I had a podcast or a, something, I could communicate it, but I, I don't have those things. Well, maybe I don't that, know. Maybe that's why we're talking, because maybe that's what we need to do, is maybe, maybe this time of us all being able to come together, because, I mean, I know I've been in the rooms when people are talking about your art and talk about your work and the... Um, the hope for them to have a Heidi. I mean, oh, really? <laughs> oh, my God, yeah. yeah I, I don't know anything about that. Oh, I, my I, God, Heidi. I've been in waiting, bringing a piece in or talking to somebody, and they go, I could only wish. And that's the phrase, I could only wish to have a Heidi. Oh, that makes my day. Thanks. Yeah, and you know, and you are an influencer. And, you know, we go to that splash. It's such an interesting event, right? Because we've all grown. Like, yeah. you know, Julie. I mean, there's so many. AJ, there's so many incredible. Doug artists like yeah. you know I think of Andrea Toth who's not with us anymore and I I think of, we used to have so much fun eating ice cream in the front of the house we'd climb on the mm -hmm. roof and we we'd eat ice cream till wee hours talking about art and I think yeah. about her paintings that are locked up and nobody really even sees them now and yeah. her, her sky pictures yeah. you know and we need to tell those stories I guess I don't I don't know that's a new thought for me you know podcasting was because people said well I was like, well, what, do you, what did you really do when you were out there? I said, well, I created a, a digital a scaffolding, kind of like a place where people came from all walks of life. Like it didn't matter if you were from the government or the street. I mean, we really only painted at night because we'd sit on that scaffolding and talk art all the time. Aww. It was amazing, right? Just lovely, yeah. Well, and so when that ends, I, I mean, all those years, that was the place that was missing for me was, you know, come to my digital scaffolding because those walls have more stories with each brushstroke. It doesn't matter that what's on there. I can yeah. tell you the story of each artist, you know, that are now very successful artists or teachers from each one of those brushstrokes, right? Mm -hmm. So the place of us being able to, you know, at that house on the front porch, all the different artists, and it's like we all slightly stay in touch a little mm -hmm. bit. It's really crazy. I like Melissa. You know, she just reached, and there's, there's this beautiful, I wouldn't say, maybe, I don't know, maybe we are our own group of something in the Okanagan that we don't even realize that maybe. Yeah, I don't, I, I, I sort of feel like this is a, quite a strong feeling that everyone is trying to find, you know, their peace, their, their purpose, their identity, and they're looking around the world, they're looking around their community, and they're looking for people to help them find themselves. So I don't really feel it's it's very beneficial, like if I'm a master or if I'm a renowned or wanted artist, doesn't what I don't 
time for that anymore because art has changed. I think mm-hmm. people, they may see something in an artwork that helps understand themselves, and that's more valuable. So if what we do can help people on their path to higher consciousness and, and um, more freedom and happiness, then and art serves a purpose like this is my way of thinking about art like how can I help people experience something higher something more uh, profound and if I can do that then their life has been enriched but it's really nothing to do with my, me and who I am or my personality or my name or my fame or nothing to do with that it's what can I give someone and is there any way to give people something that makes their life better. So that's my whole question. I think this this old-fashioned idea of becoming famous, like it used to be, you know, you know, 20 years ago, all artists, all they want to do is be famous so they could sell anything they do and they get, you know, they can survive. But I think everything's changing. And if art serves people's growth, that's great. But I, I don't think... For me, that's the most important thing, is if there's just one little thing that I can give someone to make their life more peaceful or more happy, that's all that really matters. And it doesn't even matter if I'm, you know, it's not about me or anything. It's just about other people's experience and their growth in their own lives. It's beautiful. When we started the Sunflower Project, we did it because I just, I was doing some stuff with tourism and all these um, rural artists were really suffering with mental health and we just did it on a whim, right? We said, oh, let's just plant sunflowers. Yeah, that's I, cool. It, well, the funny thing about it was I had so many artists that wrote to me and said just the opportunity to be part of something larger, like, because we were doing this thing called Indigenous Blue and I believe we're all Indigenous to this planet and together, if we can work together, you know, the power of a million horses of this... Yeah. And it was crazy because we started doing Zoom meetings with people we'd never met, artists we never met. And then all of a sudden we got these satellites and people, and there was no ego in it. And it was absolutely amazing. And it was that one of the things that I think the generations are so right, they wanted to be famous and everybody could be famous on Instagram. One yeah. of, and not very, and not in a difficult amount of effort. And this one very wonderful artist um, from Cash Creek said to me, it's been my strength of coming and going to the canvas every day. She's just the most lovely person and she did this piece of art and like she's just, she's traveled the world and she's very, very successful artist. But it was being able to come together. It was just, it was a breathtaking time and we were all just like, wow. If we all just did, right? If we all just did one brushstroke along the highway, bring people together and none of us knew each other. It was crazy, and we oh, just that's so great. It yeah. was. It was, and we just we and we still are connecting because we're connecting to do some stuff. And it was that, and I just was so because I only did it because you know we all struggle sometimes with mental health or somebody that you know does, and mm-hmm. it was that it is the repetition of doing the work. Mm-hmm. And it was funny because I she had bought in some pigment and. I had gotten some pigment on the buy and sell and I was trying to learn how to make my own paint. And then the truck that I bought the pigment from showed up. Heidi, I'm kidding. I have a truck full of pigment. This lady, yeah, like. like, (laughs) And now you're trying to make it into paint. (laughs) No, no, no. I put it in my storage and my husband looked at me crazy like, what are you? I said, I thought there was going to be a couple of buckets. Oh, wow. But then Joe, this artist, she says, well, I've got pigment and I've got blue. And then all of a sudden there was the trading. And that, I thought, was the most beautiful piece of art to be part of when everybody from different regions came together to support each other. And all of a sudden, I've got this and you've got that. It was, I went, wow, even in these times, and now we're all really good friends. And I said, we can meet and can you help this person? And we're taking classes. Can you pick up this satellite? And it was just this amazing thing, right? And it was just something that I think maybe COVID kicked off. I don't know because I know artists have always been that way. But it was like there was no ego in 
everybody's just going to do something. I don't know. It was it was really hard to describe, but it was absolutely. And at the end of it, Heidi, one million yeah. sunflowers got planted. Wow. It was crazy. That's, yeah, I think that's, uh, that's kind of the direction we're all sort of evolving towards. I think so. I think it's almost like it's... Um, well, they say that we're creating new content for the first time in history. So oh, what that cool. content is going to be, mm-hmm. I don't know. It'll be really interesting what the narrative of this all is. That'll be great. It will be great. So thank you. So You're what's welcome. next for Heidi? What's, <laughs> next, what's next for Heidi? So I'm, I'm going to do a lovely little thing to your page and your art. and that. Hey, that's one thing, that amazing gallery that you sent. Look at you, Miss Digital. I'm like, wow, look at Heidi go. <laughs> well, I just discovered this this program that you can make your own gallery, and it's so easy to use, and it's so rewarding because you can put work that you've got in your cupboard up on a wall, and oh, that looks pretty good. <laughs> it does. <laughs> and you can write about it. It's such an easy program. It's such a spiffy program, and any time I had problems, I would write them a question, and they're in Germany, and within a 24 hours, they're writing me back, and it's just great. Look at us, like, we're our new skills, that's like, the same as the podcast, and I my augmented reality app, right, that I'm waiting, because yeah. we want to use it to help the renewal, and I'm just like, you just phone, and, and it's been really good, like, my mom, who's in her 80s, I, she's been doing some of the digital, and I'm so proud of, you know, how she's been able to stay connected with her art and I'm sending her an iPad for Christmas and she's just like, I that part's pretty, it's been really exciting. Yeah, that is exciting. It is it's exciting. nice that they embrace it and it, it works for them. Yeah. Well, Heidi, we should do this again because, you know, there's many artists out there and podcasting, I think, is a good way. I see a lot of our art coming together and that maybe that's how we can push how important the arts are in renewal and how, how as female artists, we're really, you know, part of the renewal and the healing. Lovely. That's lovely. Good work. Well, thank you for spending time with me today. Thank you for connecting. Thank you so much, Heidi. Again, I am just honored that you spent time oh, today. Oh, thank you, Michelle. I You're look forward to seeing new okay. stuff. Catch the light. Okay, bye-bye. Okay, bye. You're listening to Art Root Radio, and I'm your host, Artist Michelle Lockery. Art Root Radio is a place where artists come together in the digital studio and the digital scaffolding to talk about the art of creating. Master artists have been around since time began. We have master artists today. Those artists are connected in many ways through stories, through time spent on walls, on street art, in studios. That art connects us to our souls, to each other, and it is through our creative stories that we can move forward in the time of COVID. So please enjoy a digital coffee and take a listen in our studio as we bring many, many incredible artists to the table to talk about art, social change, and way more.